0: So, uh, as we have begun this day, there are layers that God always seems to begin to, to form for us. And these layers are, they come to worship, but they came as soon as you parked your car and got out, of the, out into the parking lot because we came here together with people. We came here together at, to an organization, not really... To a business, not really. To a company, not really. We came here to something that is mysterious. It's called the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is uh, the picture that is painted in the Bible is so clear and so meaningful, and that's, that's our conversation today. Over the course of the last five or six weeks, we kicked off this collection. And the collection was about our identity. And our identity is so critical, I'll repeat myself by saying if we know our identity, we have a better understanding and a better shot at really living out that identity. If we do not know who we are, then most likely we won't live that out, or at least we'll live it out partially, partially. So I think it's critical. We said at the beginning of this collection that there are three kind of major chunks. We begin the second chunk today. Uh, The first one is how we were originally designed, that there is a DNA that God has uh, created, engineered in us, that we are bearers of His image, that we are eternal pursuers, that God has put eternity in our heart. Many different things that God uh, has designed us to. Each of these sections, literally, we could spend months on. We've only picked the highlight reel, so to speak. We now move into a different uh, angle, and that is positionally. What do I mean by that? What I mean by positionally is that there are times when, at, when we come to Christ that we are positioned in a way That sometimes we're even unaware of that positioning. In other words, we have a certain standing, a certain dimension, if indeed we have come to the intersection where we come to Christ, we recognize our deep need for a Savior, for a rescuer, and we come to Him and say, God... In and of myself, in and of any religious effort, any any good behavior on my part, it will not put me in good favor with you. Therefore, I'm going to completely depend and lean on the gift that you have given to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. And when we make that intersection and lean in by faith and depend completely on the gift that Christ gives to us on the cross... There are so many things that happen positionally. Sometimes we're unaware of those. I saw this picture on, on the internet. This is a real uh, uh, bona fide picture. These guys fishing. Now, if you know anything about fishing, they are uh, positioned in this beautiful place. They're right, right around the corner. What they don't know is they're also positioned, if we can go to the next slide, they're positioned <laughs> with a bear. This is, a, this is a true picture. The guys across the, the, uh, the, the creek there who they're looking at desperately who are probably telling them right now that they, there is a bear behind them had no idea. The end of the story is they both got eaten a lot. Just kidding. They did not. They, they, uh, they were fine. The bear went away probably because they weren't catching any fish and they was, the bear was just there. There is an unawareness at times that we are positioned. As soon as you are born... In this country or any country, you now are a citizen, that you, but you have no idea when you're a little baby of all the rights and responsibilities that you have at that, as a citizen of whatever country that is. It's not only as you grow older and you become more mature, more seasoned, do you understand, oh, I have this responsibility and I have this right. So we're going to look today in, in Ephesians chapter 2, at least we're going to begin there, and then we're going to land today. I always kind of like to tell you we're going to, where we're going to land, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll land there today. If you have your Bible, that's where we're going to park. But as we ramp up to this, let's, we begin in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17. The third song that we sang today, by the way, is, is affirmed here now in the Scripture or I should say that the third song affirms what we read in the Scripture. Ephesians 2.17, Christ came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we have be, both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, because Christ came, bridged the gap, consequently, you were no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. So in this moment of intersection, most of us have come to Christ truly and saying, I am away from God. I recognize in that moment that I'm in need of God. I recognize in that moment that I have the stain of sin that by myself and by my own effort, I cannot Remove that from my life. Therefore, I'm coming to Christ. And for most of us, that's why we, we came to have that relationship with Christ. But at the same time, there are these endless positions that, we ha- that happen all in that one moment. They're endless. They, so we're told right in this moment, we became citizens Of heaven, we became members of God's household. I don't know about you. I didn't know that. I didn't know that positioning when I came to Christ. I was just like, "Oh wow, I'm forgiven. I'm okay with God." That's you know that was the simple truth of what I was seeking. And yet there there were just these endless layers that you keep discovering. Endless is a great word, is it not? So last week, last night, in fact. I was eating dinner at Jason's Deli. Don't know if you've ever been there. They got a nice little salad bar. So I went there and they had this, the, this salad bar, and I, I was the first one to order. We had about six, seven people with kids in our in our, our our dinner party, and so I stepped up and it was easy for me. I'm like, hey, I'll do the salad bar. I thought I could just order and move away. But you know, this is America, so there's a gajillion choices. So she said, one stop or endless. And so I said to her, Well, can I stay the whole week if it's endless? Yeah, she didn't think it was funny. I thought one of two things, she needs to get a life or I need to get better material. Probably both. You know what I'm talking about? So I said, well, I, was, I thought about that. I said, well, how big is the bowl? So she showed me the bowl. The bowl is pretty big. I mean, that's going to determine if it's going to be one stop, right? I mean, maybe a little cup of chili or something, you know, like, well, I can only get a few pieces of lettuce. So I wanted to see the size of the bowl. Well, how, how's the size of the bowl? So she showed me this big bowl. But then that came with this ingenious plan. I had this sinister smile come across my face. I could tell she could tell I was thinking something, you know? I'm like, hey, you know what? Uh, I see a soft serve machine. Does that come with the one stop? Oh, yeah, sure it does. I'm like, uh-huh, okay. Uh, but she kept saying, but it's one stop. Like, she, she saw it in my eye, like, this guy's going to eat a lot of ice cream. But, you know, I'm not eating ice cream right now, but I'm just thinking. So uh, I said, okay, just one stop. I said, well, and I said, well, here's what I could do. I could use the sizable bowl for the one-stop ice cream. And I could use my tray for the one-stop salad bar. And I said, do you know, you could fit three pounds of salad on a tray. She didn't think that was funny either. But that word endless, it just, and I did it. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do it. I only fit two pounds of salad on the tray. (laughs) That word endless, it's like, man, it just goes on and on and on. The endless position that we have in Christ, we can only touch on, but what we're going to see in our relationship not only gives us the responsibility, but the right of who we are. We are members of God's household. We are fellow citizens together in a place that that is not here. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 says it this way. Just as each of you has one body with many members, our physical body, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ. Those little words right there, so in Christ, When you made that intersection of faith at that moment, at that very moment, simultaneously, endless positioning happening, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. So, today, we're going to look at what then is a healthy body. Because I'm a part, you're a part, you're a part, you're a part, everybody who claims the name of Christ as Savior and Lord, who follow Christ, are then members of the body. And every single part of your body is critical to who we are. So when I think about our body and how to keep healthy, there are a lot of things that we could talk about. Exercise, eating right, putting the right things in. But truly, when your body is healthy, because when I get on an airplane, man, it's a routine. I definitely leave the plane better than what I found it. We're cleaning, we're spraying. I offer the spray to other people, because I figure like, hey, if they're strong, I'm strong. So hey, would you like a wipe? No. Are you sure? I'll give them the second follow-up. Are you sure? Yeah. So I'm wiping down you know, the you know, the armrest and the tray and the little pouchy thing in front of me. I'm wiping down the seat belt. It takes more than one wipe, by the way. Sometimes I wipe down my fellow passenger if they need it. I'm spraying. I just act like I'm missing, but I mean, I act like you know, sh- sh- I'm actually spraying them. I'm spraying me. We're taking stuff. We got Q-tips. I mean, you know, if you're traveling a lot, you got you got to do this. But one of the things that is so critical is how is your body to begin with? Is your body strong enough to reject all of the germs that may come in? Because after all that wiping and spraying, if your body and your immune system is compromised to begin with, it don't matter how much spray and wiping you're doing. How about that? So if we're going to be a strong body, I'm gonna propose there's some, there are four things that we'd wanna reject, okay? Four things we wanna reject. Here's the first one. It's rampant in our culture. We reject, as a member of the body of Christ, we reject individualism. We reject individualism. Take any football team; you've seen it. The, the, the guy out there who's doing hot dogs—you know—he's—he's got to be the, you know, the star of the show. He hasn't learned to mesh in with the rest of the team. It's fatal to a team. It's fatal to 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 a, an organization. It's fatal to the body of Christ if we're going to be individual and we've got to have things our way and we just can't put on a jersey and play with anybody else. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where we'll now park in verse 12, the body is a unit. And though it is made up of many different parts and though all of its parts are many, they do form one jersey. They all put one jersey on. So it is with Christ, for we are all baptized by one spirit, one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. In other words, a body is healthy, a a spiritual body is healthy when we're willing by the power of the spirit. It's the only way you can do it, by the way. By the power of the spirit. To chisel away at our own wants and desires and all of those things, preferences, and say, I'm going to chisel that away. Some people do this naturally. I know some people are not Christians that are jersey wearers. You know, you, you're going to have a picnic. We're all going to wear a red shirt. It's great. I'll wear a red shirt. So sometimes it's a personality. Some personalities, some of you, just have a proclivity. If someone says red, you got to say green. And, and, I, and I empathize with that. I don't say that judgmentally, but I'm saying that you might have to work harder, I'd like to say, but you will have to bow deeper. There are certain things that all of us, I have my own thing. I'm a workaholic. You, maybe some of you are like, dude, I, I work 30 hours and call it a week. You don't have to wrestle with that. I have to wrestle with that. So everybody's wrestling with their own deal. You might be a, a non-Jersey wearer. So, my, so what the Word of God says to us is that in order to overcome that and be part of the body, we we submit ourselves and say just honestly to God, God, I am a contrarian by nature. I like to be individual by nature. That doesn't mean we can't be all different and everything, but when it comes to, hey, we're moving from A to B, I want to go to C. That's just my natural proclivity. So you may say, Spirit of God, would you iron that wrinkle out of my life so that I become more mature and more of an effective part of the body. I don't know if you know about ancient history, but you know, you've seen so many statues in museums and often they're missing the head. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes they're missing the nose, but sometimes they're missing the head. There's a lot of statues that, you know, they're missing the head. There's a reason for that. Some of the sculptors of the day made the head portable because there are many instances when an emperor or whoever the leader was took over and they replaced the head on the existing so, show, uh, statue with their head. You know, I mean, with a cement part of their head, not their actual head. <laughs> because from the beginning, the design was, hey, you might be out of here. It is one of the greatest dangers, the greatest germs to the healthy body of Christ. We've talked about it here in this room many times that the, the, the body of Christ, our culture, is so transitory and it don't take much for a head to fall off. And it comes back to individualism. Here's the second thing. Reject insignificance. Reject insignificance. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 22, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker, earlobes, eyebrows. I could do it without my eyebrows. Some people do. Um, hair, obviously, happening. I, I can live life without my hair. Some, some parts we won't mention that are unmentionable. They're indispensable. Weaker and indispensable are in the same category. The parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. The parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, everyone rejoices over it. In other words... In the body of Christ, we reject this sense that you're better, I'm better, you're richer, I'm poorer, you're more important, I'm less important, you're more popular, I'm less popular. All that goes out the window, and we have to reject it. And as human beings, sometimes that's difficult, is it not? Because sometimes we say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna treat different parts of the body differently." Oh, that, that guy's really successful. We're gonna treat him differently. That person has a lot of money. We're gonna treat them differently. Oh, he knows a lot about the Bible. We're gonna you know we're gonna treat him a little bit differently, and th- and that we, that's not how uh, God says to roll. Last night I'm sitting on the couch. To be honest with you, I'm in this sleep shirt. It's got a bunch of holes in it. It's comfortable. I'm going to keep it until it falls off my entire body. It just disintegrates because it's so comfortable. And to be honest with you, I'm sitting there um, in some boxer shorts. Can you say that in church? Just did. We're helping our neighbor out by feeding the dog, and my wife made uh, cupcakes, and she went over there. My son and her went over there. And uh, my son comes back alone. That was weird. It was dark. My son came back alone. And this is why he said it. Hey, mom tripped and fell out in the driveway. (laughs) And then he sits down and watches TV. I had to calculate in my head. Okay, don't go by the measure of his excitement about this, right? And so I'm like, okay, that sounds serious. So I jumped up and I ran out the front door. But before I did... I took my coat and I wrapped it around my waist. Because I treated, you know, the modesty part differently. Had I said to myself, I'm not going out there, I'm not dressed, I'm not ready to run out there. Listen super carefully. Some of you feel undressed. Some feel inadequate to do what Kelly did. Some of you have some past chapter in your life that you've said, and maybe a present chapter, I have done this, and if anyone knew about it, I would not be able to operate with the rest of you guys who look so holy, so sacred. Don't fall for it. I know most people in this room. Isn't that the case I'm speaking to those parts, those members of the body that seem weak at this point, that say, I could never, if they only knew. Let me use God's word with you, indispensable, indispensable. Christ has forgiven your sin. He's forgiven my sin. He renews us to use us. He gives us, that just came out. That's pretty, you know, write that down, would you? He, uh, he brings us to life, to work in his kingdom. He doesn't bring us to life just to keep everything to ourselves. Reject that insignificance. From time to time, I think it's important for me to remind us about row four. Some of you are like, okay, what, what is row four? And then in the seat back pocket in front of you, you'll see this envelope that says row four. Row four was based on the life of Moses who at the age of 40 murdered a man. He sequestered himself. He became a fugitive for four decades until God came ringing his doorbell. And when God rang his doorbell and said, I'd like to use you, you remember what he said, not me, God. Use my brother. He's a, he goes to church a lot more than I do. He knows the Bible a lot more than I do, and he hasn't screwed up like I have. And God said, oh no, you're you're indispensable. Row four, if you open up the envelope, there's a card. On the front side it says haves, on the back side it has needs. The haves is designed for those people who have gone through something in their life that has been difficult, that God has successfully moved you through. Maybe it's the death of a spouse, the death of a child, a divorce. Maybe at one point in your life you got an abortion. And you think God could never use that. But somebody else is in the intersection of making that decision and you are indispensable. Indispensable. Where you thought you were dispensable. A throwaway. May I say it like this? There are no throwaways in the membership of the household of God. And somebody needed to hear that today. You have dismissed yourself, but God hasn't. We reject insignificance. On the other side of that, that is the need. You may have a need right now. And someone who has gone through the same thing, they're not going to be a professional counselor, but they will understand you and walk with you and pray with you more than someone who has not gone through that. Never think you're indispensable. Here's the third thing. Reject independence. I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody. That's what that says, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all a nose, right, if they were all one part, what would would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. I was reading, uh, I don't know if you've ever read In His Image. It was written by a doctor that's just uh, a brilliant doctor, and he talks about our body and how God has created it. I brought brought a message from his book today, um, and here we go. In the human body, when an area loses sensory contact with the rest of the body, even when its nourishment system remains intact, that part begins to wither. The body poorly protects what it does not feel. I want you to look that when its nourishment system remains intact. intact. In other words, we can sometimes feel like, well, I'm, just, I'm getting the Bible on my own. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm reading it on my own, and I don't need this. I don't need church. It's kind of become, you know, kind of a fad. I can do church on my own. But the problem with that is when you're having the worst day of your life, then that Bible study will help you only a little bit because one part of the body needs the other part of the body. If something happens to my my brain, most likely it would affect some of the motion in my hand or some of the motion in my leg. One part of the body affects the other part of the body. And what, what this doctor is saying is that the body... Poorly protects what it does not feel. How many times have I sat at a coffee table with someone and they said, Man, I just, man, I'm having the worst day of my life. I'm going through this difficult chapter. I'm like, Who, who, who are you with in the body of Christ? I'm like, No, I, I don't know. And nobody called me. Like, we didn't know. Because somehow you become independent, and now we don't know, but the closer we get in imperfectly, we're going to do it imperfectly, but the closer that we get in, we know you, you know me, and all of a sudden, we can take care of one another's needs. Make sense? Finally, we reject inactivity. We reject inactivity. So let's review. We reject individualism, insignificance, independence, and inactivity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, now the body is not made up of one part, but many of the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body if it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not therefore re- uh, by reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would that sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would that sense of smell be? Here's what Christ is saying. We need every part of our body. See, when Kelly came up this morning, I asked her that final question intentionally. What has this done for you? I didn't say, hey, what, just what has it done for us? So when we have opportunities to serve and become active in the body of Christ, this is when we become the most fulfilled and the most happiest in our lives because God has positioned us in that identity. If we don't position, if we don't live out our position, we begin to become frustrated. We begin to become bored So where is God working in your life to say, man, I'm feeling inactive because we know what happens to inactive body parts. They begin to wither. We already saw it. And inwardly, we begin to wither, and then we say, you know, church is a little boring for me. Well, yeah, I get that. That'd be like me just being on a football team and sitting on the bench the whole time. Like, it's not very exciting. We'll get on the field. That'd be exciting. I was reading about the Navajo tribe. Quite interesting that their most, how they deemed a person who was deviant in their community was not by some crime that they did, but their words exactly was, he acts as if he has no relatives. Think about that. He acts as if he has no relatives. Okay, you know me. I've got to step on some toes. If we're in the body of Christ and we remain inactive, then in a sense, because we're members of God's household, we're living as if we have no relatives. In the body of Christ, I'm your brother. In the body of Christ, you're my brother. You're my sister. And God would say, man, I have called you and positioned you into the most important group of people Ever. It's called my body. My body. I want to share a couple of pictures with you today. These are global pictures we're talking about within these four walls today. But I'm sharing these pictures with you because of the happiness that I get to witness on the part of some of my friends around the world. Uh, when I talk to them they have literally an, en- an enormous fraction of what any American has, a fraction. I mean, living we, we off, couldn't, we couldn't do it probably. They're, 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 economically, they're at that level, but they are the most fulfilled, the most energized, the most happiest people is because they're not so cluttered with so many choices that take them away from living out their identity. You remember the enemy wants to come and rob and steal. He wants to steal your joy, steal your purpose, steal, and make it feel like church is just getting, getting together, uh, you know, a bunch, hearing a bunch of songs and, and uh, singing a bunch of songs and hearing a guy up there talk. It's, it has nothing to do with that. It's the body of Christ with active members. And when you're living in that position, then you're like, oh, man, this is great. I want, I want to show you a couple of pictures from Isiko Charles in Uganda and their training in uh, and, and, uh, and these environments and his energy, if we'll just go to the next slide, his energy uh, uh, of coming and traveling so many miles for his relatives. And I'm not talking about his biological relatives. I want I to introduce you to Joel Mapesa. Joel Mapesa lives in Nairobi, and, uh, and he was going to a refugee camp near Somalia this weekend and, and, and throughout this week. And the reason that he was going there was because so many countries are represented in that refugee camp. Somalia, Burundi, uh, Eritrea, many different countries in that region. And he said, those are my brothers and sisters. Driven by the fact that he is part of the body of Christ. But on the way, this was a 17-hour trip. So if we can go to the next slide, they ran into 130 kilometers out. They ran into flash raining and flash flooding. The next picture will show you where a bridge used to be. And then the next, if we go to the next picture, uh, the next slide, um, they finally made it. And I want to read to you what he said, he said, hi, Steve. I had a lot of challenges on the, along the road. There was heavy rains which caused the river to flood, and this was 130 kilometers to the, before we got to the camp. After the flooding, the bridge that is used by all the vehicles was carried away by the waters. No vehicle would cross over. People stayed on the road four days without crossing. I had to come back to a town uh, called Katali, where I had to make arrangements for these refugee leaders to come over to Katali because they, not, could not come to the, uh, they could come to the river and cross over by emergency rescue boats, which were ferrying people across many parts and the camp were heavily flooded. Then he finally said, but the training had a very positive reception by all the leaders. They really love the one-to-one concept and have committed themselves to go and teach each other. I had to do one training with the Sudanese, Congolese, Burundians and a separate one with a few Somalis and Eritreas uh, because they requested to come later due to a program that was going on, on their side of the refugee camp. The second group did not allow me to take their photos because of security purposes. If you could have a two-minute conversation With Joel Mapesa, you would find him to be the happiest man you've ever met. Humble, but but deeply happy. I wanted to show you, I wanted to share with you uh, uh, today, Kelly. Because her joy is infectious. Contagious. For those of you that serve and are active, it's Contagious. That's because God has made you that way. Let me finish with this one verse, First Corinthians chapter 12 verse 27. "Now you are the body of Christ. You have no preference? Your nose doesn't say, kind of like I'd like a sabbatical. You are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for this time to remind ourselves of something that may, on the surface, seem obvious. But God, as you know, especially in our culture, we're faced with so many choices and so many options that we at at times find it a challenge to live out uh, the identity Sometimes the identity in the way you've created us, but sometimes the identity of how you've positioned us. So, Father, I pray today, God, for an awakening of sorts. Somebody today needed to to, to hear, to revisit their individualism. And as soon as that word is spoken, there's a a trigger of familiarity. And by the Spirit of God only, that individualism can be melted away. Somebody here today feels insignificant, God. Feels that most likely they're not worthy. They're not adequate. They're not even allowed to, to become active family of God I pray father you'll come up underneath them and raise them up and whisper in their ear this word you're indispensable you're indispensable some people are living the best chapter of their life and the furthest thing from their mind is that they actually need anybody else But on that day when the page turns to the most difficult or a difficult chapter of their life. They'll know it. Why not be known now? Finally, Father, perhaps the most challenging thing to hear is that none of us want to act as if we have no relatives. We are the body of Christ and each of us is a part. So, God, I pray today for those that would say I I am I'm not experiencing the fulfilled joy, the happiness, the purpose, the energy of being a Christian, of being a Christ follower. I pray God that you would awaken in them the desire, the motivation the nudge, the challenge to become active. Only then, God, will they have that sense of living out who you have positioned them to be. Finally, Father, we pray for those who don't know you yet, who have not had this intersection, that this whole conversation of being positioned is completely new. Pray, Father, that the simplicity of the good news of Jesus would penetrate their heart today, miraculously. That we are all on common ground, broken, bruised, fragile, sinners, mistaken, stained. And no matter how much human effort we put into it, as religion has taught us, it's false. Only if we come to Christ and say, Jesus, on my own, I cannot be right with you. I want to receive, to trust, to completely depend on your forgiveness. And I want to exchange my old life for your new one. Maybe that's your prayer today as we're here in a quiet moment. Maybe that's your prayer today. Christ loves you deeply. He wants to infuse His life into you and position you in endless ways. Won't you give your heart to Him today? Won't you give, won't you utter this confession to Him from your heart to His? How much you need Him. This is what we sang right before this talk. I need you every hour. That's you. You need God. Father, we love you today. Thank you for the positioning in Christ. And we ask, Father, that you would uh, awaken us to our, the rights and responsibilities we have in you. And we love you because you've loved us first. And we end this day as we begin. We worship you because you're worthy of our worship.